Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. We hope that you're having a great week. Today, we are going to be talking about myopia because it is such a hot topic of late. But before we do that, let's talk about our weekly insight. So we want to just talk to you guys a little bit about our experience with myopia or nearsightedness. So uh, myself, I uh, was a very low myope. I was like a minus 1.50. And I didn't get my first pair of glasses until I was in seventh grade. So pretty late thought that I was going to be the only one of my sisters that didn't need glasses. But unfortunately, I needed glasses, like I said, around that uh, seventh grade mark when I realized that I couldn't see the board very well. And my my prescription really stayed fairly stable until I went ironically to optometry school. And the amount of near work that I had to do increased significantly. And my prescription actually jumped by twice. It, it doubled. And I ended up being about a minus 250 in one eye and a minus three in the other. It, delving into kind of like that moderate amount of nearsightedness. Um, and I, I never minded wearing contacts or glasses, but it was definitely a big change from being alone nearsightedness to then kind of going into having that large, large ship where I definitely needed my glasses all of the time. And then I actually underwent LASIK surgery to correct for my nearsightedness about seven years ago. And it's also been a wonderful experience to be able to see clearly as soon as I wake up. So my journey with nearsightedness is a little different than Dr. L's. So Dr. L, tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, so I'm a myop also. And I was first diagnosed about midway through kindergarten, and I was around, I believe, a minus three or so in each eye. Um, and then as I grew, my eye was growing still also. So naturally, over time, my myopia slowly increased. Um, and then when I got to optometry school, I also experienced a big jump up in my myopia. I went up like four whole steps in prescription. Um, I remember um, once we got into contact lens clinic, we could kind of order our own contact lenses. And I remember every year I was just kind of ordering myself the next step up. <laughs> um, so I primarily wear contact lenses because at this point I am a minus six diopter myope, which is more moderate to high. Um, so in glasses, there are some side effects with glasses. I do have a pair as a backup, um, but because I don't wear them too often, when I do wear them, I notice like some peripheral distortions. I notice some reduced periphery. Um, because I have a smaller frame since my face is small and to keep the lens thickness a little bit smaller in the higher prescription. Um, and I don't wear them too often. It takes me a little bit to adjust to them. So I primarily wear my contacts to help me see everything in the distance nice and clear. That's kind of my journey with myopia. So we really wanted to hit this topic today because it really is such a hot topic. Um, there's a lot of research being done, a lot of awareness being spread about myopia. So we want to kind of go through first some background of what exactly it is, what symptoms are involved, some common treatments, and then we're going to get into why it's such a hot topic currently. So myopia essentially means nearsightedness. So that means people that are myopes can see everything in that close-up range nice and clear, but everything in the distance is very blurry for them. Um, and that can be caused by a few different changes to the shape of the eye. So it can be because essentially the eye is longer than it should be, which we call the length of the eye your axial length. So patients who are myopes have a really high axial length, or it could come from the shape of your cornea, which is the clear covering that goes across the front part of your eye. And if that cornea is a little too curved or a little too steep, that can induce some myopia also. 
So any one of these uh, changes in the shape of the eye or a combination of the two can lead to when light comes into the eye, it doesn't bend correctly, and the image instead of falling right on the retina, so you get a nice clear image, it falls in front of the retina, and that's why us myopes see blurry in the distance. Dr. L just hit on one of the main symptoms of nearsightedness, which is that you can see up close, but you can't see in the distance, right? That's the first tip off for people that, ooh, maybe the blackboard's a little blurry, or it's a little difficult to drive at night. They realize they can't see the signs. Other more subtle signs of nearsightedness are you might find yourself squinting or that you have some low-level headaches and eye strain. And you might feel like you are blinking excessively to try and clear things up. And for kids, ways that you may know that there's something going on visually with them is they may try to sit closer to things like they might stand right in front of the television, or they might um, bring books in closer to them, or you might see them rubbing their eyes to try and make things clear. So those are those two that you really want to look for in your kids, because sometimes and we'll touch on this, they can't explain exactly what's going on with their vision. Right. And so as you're listening, you may think, okay, no big deal. People in a myopsy blurry in the distance and they can just wear glasses or contacts like Dr. Erzi and I did um, to correct for that. But there are actually a lot of risks associated with being a more moderate to high myope. There's really increased prevalence of eye diseases found in people that are higher myopes. And a lot of that is tied to what I talked about at the beginning and the eye essentially being a little longer than it should be. And what that can do is it can essentially start to stretch the retina, especially in patients that are progressive myopes and that prescription keeps increasing over time and that eye is growing longer. So there is a much higher incidence of retinal detachments in patients that are higher myopes. Uh, a study found that lower myopes have a four times greater risk of developing a retinal detachment, and those more moderate myopes have a 10 times greater risk of developing a retinal detachment, which can have very big long-lasting impacts on your vision. Um, depending on how the retina detaches, it can leave you with very decreased permanent vision loss. So certainly something that you want to avoid if possible. There also is a greater risk of developing glaucoma in people that are myopes. They have actually a 50% greater risk of developing glaucoma than someone who is not a myope. And some other big eye diseases that are risks in myopia are cataracts, which everyone typically gets eventually due to age. However, they can develop a little earlier, a little faster in those that are myopes and may require cataract surgery a little bit sooner. Um, and myopic maculopathy, which is again, because the eye can become a little bit stretched, that macula, the central point of the retina can start to degenerate. And again, can kind of leave you with permanent vision loss if that deteriorates to the point where you have almost like a central blind spot in your eye. So now that we've talked a little bit about what nearsightedness is and myopia is, what are some risk factors, right? You're, so you may be listening like, oh my goodness, <laughs> am I at risk for developing this? And one of the, the biggest questions that we get is from parents that bring in their, their newborn babies for their first eye exam is, I wear glasses and my husband wears glasses. Is my child going to need glasses? And the answer to that is we don't know, but we do know that genetics show, and there is a genetic link where there is a 1.5 times higher risk of developing nearsightedness in the child if one parent is myopic and a six times greater risk if both parents have it. So there's definitely a genetic component to developing myopia. The second piece, and as always, right, is nature versus nurture. And the nature part of this 
that we talk about is the environment that we are in. So we know from studies that decreased outside time exposure to sunlight and low vitamin D levels, as well as poor diet and increased near work are all modifiable factors in the progression of nearsightedness. So there are studies that show that children who grow up in an urban environment, so those that are not exposed to the outdoors, not as exposed to sunlight, and by proxy, typically spending more times indoors, have a 2.6 times greater risk of developing myopia than those who grow up in a rural area that get to spend that time outside. And interestingly, with the COVID pandemic, everyone was spending so much time indoors that it was actually a perfect study that we could actually study kids that were spending so much time on near devices and inside. And there was a study that came out in JAMA Ophthalmology that showed that between the six and eight-year-old age demographic, there was a three times higher incidence of myopia due to the amount of near, near work that they were doing during that 2020 lockdown. So we know that 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 near work is really causing some shifts in how the visual system works. And can, if you have that predisposition towards nearsightedness, this could be the tipping point to start the progression and the start of myopia uh, with our kids. Right. And I always like to explain to my patients and especially parents of young kids that are myopes that your brain is very smart. So when you're spending a lot of your time looking up close at near, your brain thinks, I need to see up close better and who cares about the distance because I'm not looking in the distance very often. And that kind of drives this force for you to become nearsighted or if you already are for it to further develop and even increase because that's where your world is. So your brain wants you to see clearer up close and that's kind of leading to this progression of myopia, which as Dr. Z and I both talked about our journeys in myopia, we kind of both experienced this ourselves when we were in optometry school because we were really in this exact environment that helps brew myopia, where we were spending a lot of time indoors because we were in a classroom setting all day long and then going home and studying all night long. Um, so a lot of our world was very much up close and indoors, and we both experienced big jumps in our myopic prescriptions during that time. Um, so we're kind of two key studies that really show that increased near work and decreased outside time really can lead to this increase in myopia. And you know, it's interesting, Dr. L, on the flip side of that, my, for those of you that don't know, my husband is a farmer. He is a fourth generation farmer and not one person in his family wears glasses. He, they only need them when they reach that point of uh, needing reading glasses so at presbyopia in their forties and fifties, but not one of his aunts, uncles, cousins wear glasses for the distance because they've, and to this point, right, they're outside in not studying for hours and hours, they are in that sunlight outside outdoors. And it, it really blows my mind that we are like the living case study of what they say, right? Like the farmer doesn't need glasses and the doctor that is spending a million hours looking up close needed the glasses. So it, it's just really interesting to actually see it in real life and, and really prove what these papers are saying. Right. I think that really helps drive it home because you can read a paper and see these statistics and say, oh, OK, but to actually hear these very different experiences and see how prescription wise, how differently like you and your husband turned out really speaks volumes. 
So I want to touch upon treatment of myopia just a little bit. We're actually going to talk about this a little bit more in a, in a future episode. And we've also talked about it in past episodes a little bit. Um, but when you are a myope, um, there's kind of a two-prong approach to treatment. We can, you know, as optometrists, treat your myopia and also try to work on preventing progression of myopia. So in terms of treating myopia, that's where your typical glasses or contact lens prescription comes into play. We can check whatever your prescription is and prescribe it for you in a glasses or a contact lens form that will help you see in the distance clearly. And essentially what those two things are doing is just moving that image that was falling in front of the retina back to fall onto the retina so you see it nice and clearly. And then as Dr. Z mentioned, refractive surgery is also a great option when you're a myope if you are a good candidate. Um, there's a few different types of refractive surgery. The main options are LASIK or PRK, and that's essentially where they can change the shape of your cornea to also help reduce your myopia and correct for your prescription. And just an important thing to note that if you do get LASIK surgery, your eye is still a myopic eye, right? I think that's important to note because a lot of people, they get LASIK and then they don't ever go see an eye doctor again because they could see clearly. But you still need to make sure you're going every year to your eye doctor to check the health of the eye. Because when your eye is nearsighted or myopic, like Dr. L had highlighted before, there are definite risks involved with being myopic. You have that retinal detachment, increased risk, as well as the cataracts, the glaucoma. So even though you can see clearly, right? vision is more than 2020, you still need to be checking the health of your eye, even if you get the LASIK. I think that's a really good point, Dr. Z. Uh, so then the next approach to treatment is really trying to prevent that progression of myopia, um, which it can be hard to predict in who their myopia will, be, will progress. However, when you think about if a child's been diagnosed with myopia and they're already a little bit nearsighted, they're not done growing, their eye isn't going to get shorter as they age. It's only going to grow in length. Um, that process can actually not stabilize until even 18 years old. Um, so in theory, as a myope is getting older every year, the prescription can be increasing over time. And so we always look at that as a factor and we always look at the environment our patients with myopia are in as well. Um, and so kind of a newer approach to myopia is trying to find ways to prevent that progression, that big increase of myopia. So there's a few different ways to do this. One option is called orthokeratology, which are actually hard contact lenses that you sleep in at night and then you take them out and you don't have to wear them during the day. Um, and what they do is they actually help flatten your cornea to help reduce that myopia. And we're actually gonna have an upcoming episode coming out. We're gonna have another doctor joining us talking all about orthoke. So make sure you tune in for that to learn all about how that works because it's a very unique way of treating myopia. And then Dr. Z, you wanna talk about some other ways we can prevent myopia progression? Sure. You, we can also do, there's two other big ones, right? We talk about these three topics to reduce the progression of myopia. So we're going to be talking in depth about ortho-K next week, but the other two are atropine and multifocal contact lenses. So atropine historically is a dilating drop uh, that we use to open up the pupil so that we can see the health of the eye. But for myopia treatment, it's at a very, very diluted level. So some people with very light eyes do get a little bit of the dilating effect, but not much. And it helps to basically the uh, child would instill this drop once daily to slow down the progression of myopia. This, these studies are show that 
the amount of uh, diluted drop that we put in helps to slow things down by causing a stop in the eyeball from growing. So there is a ton of studies that, that prove this efficacy. Again, it is an eye drop that you have to instill in the child's eye every day. And there are some, like I said, negative side effects. Some get a, a low level dilating effect as well as some low level eye strain or headache associated with it. So it really has to be the right candidate for that. The third option, which I know Dr. L and I are really excited about, because this is a technology that almost every optometrist can do, and that is applying a soft multifocal contact lens. We'll learn more about the Ortho-K technology next week, but when it was put into a soft contact lens. And that it's been a game changer for the treatment of myopia. And basically you put the soft contact lens in, there's no negative side effects. It's very easy, right? Most kids that are in glasses will eventually transition to contact lenses. So instead of just a standard spherical lens, we're putting them in this multifocal contact lens, which has the added benefit of slowing down the myopia. And the reason why we really are talking all about this treatment and all that is because we know that about 30% of the world's population is myopic right now, but by 2050, there's estimates that it's going to be about 50% of the, the world that is going to need glasses for the distance and all of the associated health effects. So the goal of all of these treatments is to, one, prevent people from going into that moderate to severe stage of myopia, which then can increase all of those risk factors for more visually devastating pieces to the myopia. So we're really aiming towards, if you are myopic, how to slow that process down. And we have all of these tools in our tool belt now, which is so, so wonderful versus, you know, even back just 20 years, it was just, oh, here's a new pair of glasses. Here's a new pair of glasses without any ability to slow things down. Right. And I think um, when we're talking about myopia progressing and, you know, developing at a quicker rate, you know, it can be somewhat normal for that prescription to go up like a 0.25 step every year or so. But if you're someone where it's making a bigger jump, it's going up by more than that quarter step, or you're getting glasses made more frequently than every year because you're, you're experiencing recurrent blurry vision in the distance and you go see your doctor and that prescription keeps increasing, that's someone that we're talking about with myopia progression. Um, and I know another, not really your typical treatment, but something that Dr. Z and I always talk about with our patients to combat myopia is increasing your outside time. Um, and there's actually been a lot of recent studies looking into how this can affect myopia. They've really only shown that it prevents or helps delay the onset of myopia. There's been no study that really shows that it helps slow down myopia progression, um, but certainly worth you know combating any near work that's occurring with our kids with getting them outside to help balance that life. Um, and one thinking is that the UV rays from the sun may help change the structure of your cornea to help it maintain a more normal shape and not become too steep or too curved, which I thought was very interesting. And the studies have shown that children who do spend more time outside do develop significantly shorter axial lengths as well. So those two factors could help the cornea stay a nice normal shape and the eye not grow to be too long and therefore help prevent myopia. And studies have shown it takes as little as 40 minutes outside to help produce a significant difference in myopia development. 
which when you think about it is really not that long. I think all of us can try to get our kids outside for at least 40 minutes within the day just to help combat, you know, what they're doing inside during the day. Yeah. And Dr. L and I are parents. So when I talk to parents about this, I just say like, you don't need to be 40 minutes outside in, in, in one shot. It can simply be, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening. And, you know, something um, is better than nothing, getting the kids out as much as possible. Obviously the winter time is more difficult, but now that we're heading into this nice weather, get your kids outside as much as possible. And, I want to just share a, a quick story of a patient that I had. She had come into vision therapy because she was an esotrope, meaning her eye turned in. And typically with esotropes, they are farsighted. But my patient was nearsighted. So we had done a course of vision therapy and had have stabilized her esotropia. She's seasoned in 3D, great vision. But on her follow-ups, her prescription kept increasing and increasing and increasing and her mom and both of her parents were nearsighted and we were kind of like what do we do here and she and the patient was very afraid of eye drops uh, which made atropine out of the question she also was very sensitive and did we tried the hard contact lens but she couldn't tolerate it so when uh, that a uh, uh, soft multifocal lens came out onto the market. We tried it with her and she's been in the technology for a year. And this is the first time that her prescription hasn't increased in a year. I was literally seeing her every three months and having to increase her prescription and it hasn't changed in over a year. So she is a really great case in my mind that proves that these contact lenses and these treatment options really do work for the right candidate, as Dr. L had said. Right. An amazing story. Thanks for sharing, Dr. Z. And so now we just want to get into some current statistics and trends of myopia, because that's why we're talking about this today. It is a growing global pandemic, essentially, regarding myopia, because it just keeps increasing. And that's why it's such a hot topic to talk about and try to increase awareness about myopia. So currently, uncorrected myopia is the leading cause of distance vision impairment and the second highest cause of blindness. And as you can hear from this discussion, you know, myopia is fairly easy to treat, um, but depending on where you are in the world, it's not always possible to seek eye care. And there are a lot of people out there who are not getting any treatment for the myopia and they're not corrected. And it's a, a huge leading cause of vision impairment and blindness. And I'll combine that with the statistic of how many people will become myopic by 2050, approximately 50% of the world's population that equals about 5 billion people, that's going to bring myopia to be the number one leading cause of blindness if that trend really does continue, which is a, as a staggering statistic. Yeah, and, and like you said, it, in, it is so easy to treat, <laughs> but if you don't have the access to the treatment, then you're essentially rendered blind. And then that is really what we don't want to happen to our patients, to people listening. And I think the start of this is to really spread the awareness of what myopia is, what nearsighted is, and how we can treat it and combat it. Right. And I think it's also important to note that not just generally is myopia increasing, but those higher 
my myopia cases are really increasing too. That's what studies are showing us. And those are the patients who have all of those increased risk factors for other eye diseases like retinal detachments and glaucoma. And that's where that increased risk of myopia becoming a leading cause of blindness comes into play too. Um, so that's why it's so important to just raise awareness about this topic because you know uncorrected myopia or high myopia can really have a big impact on our economy, on patients' lives in terms of their general health, what they can see. Um, you know, for our young kids, how they learn and interact in the classroom, being an uncorrected myope can have a huge impact on their academic performance. Um, so we're really excited that we were able to share all this information with you and that there's really this global public um, awareness happening where they're really trying to discuss myopia and get ahead of the curve and try to figure out ways to treat it and help prevent that myopia progression so less people become really high myopes. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to be continuing this conversation next week when we have two guests on um, discussing orthokeratology, which is incredible treatment for myopia progression. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us at Twin Forks Optometry on Facebook and Instagram. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.